correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. Execute Order 66. Greetings, fellow gamers, and welcome back to the Order 66 Podcast, Episode 2, and I am GM Dave. And I am GM Chris. What is up, Gamer Nation? What's going on, my friend? Not a lot, man. How are you doing? Well, we're doing good. You know, we uh, we had a week where we were not able to put together an adventure, but hey, you can't, well, always, yeah. can't always satisfy the fix, right? It it yeah well uh, yeah I I kind of did satisfy my fix I got to tell you I That's I got right. the opportunity although you and I didn't get a chance to play together this weekend uh, I did get the opportunity to go um, play the next module available to me in uh, the RPGA's Dawn of Defiance campaign That's the Wizards right. of the Coast uh, uh, Role Playing Gamer Association their next um, installment so to speak of uh, the Dawn of Defiance, which is their officially sanctioned Star Wars module. Right, and that's the answer, by the way, for some of you that have emailed us asking if we know each other, and yes, um, (laughs) if it wasn't obvious, painfully obvious through the first episode, uh, yes, we do. Uh, We game together quite a bit, and uh, we both live in the northern part of Texas, and coming to you live from Denton County, Texas, just north of Dallas. Speaking of feedback... Chris, we received an enormous amount of a lot. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Email directly to us. Um, some some posts on our forum at uh, d20radio.com/forum. We encourage everybody to post your concerns and notes there, as well as email us. Yeah, and you can email us directly, as Dave said, uh, at gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. And it seems to be what a lot of you have been doing. We've received, I think, Dave, a, a lot more emails than we have forum posts. But we want to encourage everyone to please post on the forum because your comments are fantastic. We love them, but we want everyone to see them. You know, a lot of the suggestions and stuff that you've made for Star Wars Saga Edition for our podcast, we want the world to see. We want these suggestions to be out there in the open for everyone to see. So please visit the forums at uh, www.d20radio.com slash forum and make your thoughts known to the rest of the Gamer Nation. That's right. And we're going to be reading a few of those posts actually as they relate to the show because we have made a couple of format changes and at the behest of I guess... What did you say? The lion's share of the feedback we received was Yeah, that, most of it. Yeah, I mean, they really wanted us to get to the point and, um, and talk about the game. And now, I, you know, I want to caution everyone that, you know, we still want to have fun with it. We don't want to make this, you know, the same old podcast that everybody else yeah. is making. We want to be a little bit different. And, you know, some of our interests are going to show through. Absolutely. I mean, we're we're still going to have a fun podcast, but we're not going to be beating it over the head with it, so to speak. <laughs> now, one thing I wanted to mention was the fact that we got a lot of feedback from high-level gamers. And to that end, we still want to make sure that the podcast isn't going to alienate the first-timer. And so, you know, we had a cursory overview last time. Some of you didn't like it. Some of you did. And so... You know, keep in mind that we're trying to speak to the entire audience and yeah. not just a select few that 
live and breathe Star Wars Saga Edition. Yeah, and in particular, I think we got an email um, all the way from across the pond uh, over in Great Britain. Was it from from Tom? Uh, is that from Scotland? Yes. Yep. And uh, he basically uh, thanked us for the podcast. He said that he's been a Star Wars fan for a very long time and had played some of the older editions, but had never quite picked up Saga. He wasn't willing to spend the money on it and didn't know much about it. But after hearing uh, just the basic overview, kind of a high-level discussion, it made up his mind. He went out to the store, bought it, played his first game, and he loves it. So, Tom, congratulations, buddy, and uh, I'm glad you're rolling those dice again. Another segment that some of you commented on that you enjoyed, we didn't get any negative feedback anyway, was our postcard from Commander Cody. That's right. Um, You know, and we actually have another one. From across the galaxy, it's time for postcards from Commander Cody. So, what did we get this week? Well, this is... A lot smaller than the last one, it looks like. Uh, there's uh, ooh, a skyline. Now, that's pretty, isn't it? Wow. I've seen this before. You've seen it? Where have you seen this before? Coruscant. Oh. Oh, that's Coruscant. Okay. Oh, it's, it's very artsy. It's art deco, I guess. Very, very bleak. I've almost film noir. Well, here, let's, let's, let's see. Let's see what, what we got in the back here. Dear GM Chris and GM Dave, I am on Coruscant with the other clone troopers in my unit. We are here to look after Chancellor Palpatine. I didn't know he, he, he uh, you know, Protective you know detail? associated with the, the clones. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I learned how to wash his many pairs of black socks. And last night, Chancellor Palpatine took us to the karaoke bar. Really? Huh. Huh. Okay. Uh, we stayed up all night drinking and singing songs in bocce. <laughs> well, okay. Um, Chancellor Palpatine had too much to drink, and so did I. But General Kenobi helped walk me back to the barracks. Aww. See? Right there. Yeah, I know. He and Kenobi, man, they're just buds. I know it's 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 a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, well, that's that's about all he wrote. He said uh, he said have have fun and be sure to sing in bocce real soon. Your friend, Commander Cody. All right, I'm, I'm I got to tell you, I'm still not really impressed with this guy. What do you expect? He's a clone. Oh, still. Uh, I I think your standards are too high. I don't know. We're entrusting the safety of the Republic to these people. Well, it's been in worse hands. Well, I suppose so. Well, anyway, thank you, Cody, uh, for the postcard. We look forward to your next one. And this one's going to go right on the bulletin board. Right there, next to Alderaan. Yeah. Now, other feedback I want to get to is I would like to talk about a an email that we received from another Chris, not you, <laughs> in uh, also in Texas. This brings up a very good opportunity for us to talk about adventures and how other people mm. play them because this yeah. is one of the calls out you know that we asked for yeah we, we definitely because we we've, we want to hear about your adventures we want to hear about how your games are going issues you've had problems or had we problems you've had we want to delve into these things and you know potentially come up with some solutions and and talk about some ways to mitigate it in the future right and so we're going to entitle this segment when good games go bad at the behest of our listener chris in texas when good games go bad. Now, let me take you through what he emailed us. Lay it on us. Lay it on us. All right. So, 
he apparently is playing a Jedi. Okay. And he decides he's going to hold an elite bodyguard in the air with a force, move object, force power. That's possible. It's difficult. But if he beats, you know, it is it's it is possible. Okay. Yeah, okay. he overcomes the DC, and he can hold the bodyguard in the air. Yes, if it beats his defense, yes, absolutely. Okay, so player says he uses the force to move him out the door and trigger the locking device. Game Master, the elite bodyguard struggles fruitlessly against your force grasp as you position him out the door and discover there is no lock. So the player is like, what the hell? You know, what do you mean there's no lock? Blah, blah, blah. You know, what kind of hut stays in a room with no lock? This is a hut adventure, by the way, apparently. Now, back in character, the player says, okay, I'll attack the control console with his lightsaber to malfunction and jam the door. He rolls a 10. GM says that's a miss. Player, yeah, that's right. You need a 13 at least, yeah. Uh, yeah, on, on the small object, right? A, t- a, tiny, a tiny object. Yeah. Tiny object, yeah. And the player uh, launches into a tirade and asks what the heck is its defense. GM says 12. Player screams 12, cusses some more, house door slams. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I, this... This this brings up an interesting point. Um, you know how how hard is it for a Jedi to physically grab their lightsaber and shove it into a door control panel? You know, raw rules is written. You know, he, he wasn't able to do it. You know, in the heat of battle, in the middle of initiative, he made that attack roll and missed this tiny control console. Is that realistic? Well, this may be an issue with your DM, and it may be an issue with the player. You know. If I was DMing the game, depending on the scenario, I probably was, would have said, "I'm sorry, it was the heat of battle. You you missed it." But Dave, you you seem to be a little a little in deference of that. You you basically said that you know DM fiat. You know it's a pretty basic action. You know that he, you should just allow the player to do that. I do, and that's when I get back to the spirit of the game and how Star Wars Saga Edition is not necessarily meant to go with the movies, but in, inherently you have to draw some inferences to them and. When on earth would you see a Jedi not be able to stick his lightsaber into a doggone control panel? It's just not going to happen. So, I, I mean, I see this guy's reaction, but like you said, rules is written. He missed. He so, did. So, you know, I, I can see both sides of the equation here. I mean, obviously, this was a terrible thing. This, you know, a player got up, left the table. Okay, Actually, well, that's, that's the other thing, too, Dave. I got to wonder, if it, if it was that bad, either this guy is really strung up, which is probably not the case, or there have been there you know there may have been other similar situations. It could have been just a bad session and all uh, similar things that have, that had happened. Okay? Right, right. It sounds like this may have been a straw that broke the camel's back, and we don't have the whole details from the email here. But right. I guess you know, as as a GM, my advice would be you know to to the player who was involved in this, who left, you know, obviously talk to your GM about it. To the GM, if you if you know this story sounds familiar and this happens to be you, dude, if it's going to lead to that situation where you're going to have a player leave the group, where it's going to going to end the game, it you know it, I. Gosh, I think Dave might be right in that respect. Toss the rules out the window. It's you know, it's more cinematic. It doesn't have any real impact on gameplay. You know, you you might as well go ahead and do that. Now, then again, hey, if it's me, I'm I'm a, I'm a pretty big stickler for for raw. So you know, if the rules is written, you couldn't do it. You're not cinematic enough. <laughs> Right. No, I've, I, you know what? I'm 100% with you in that. I've seen it, and we've, we've done it, where the GM will alter the rules a little bit. Yeah, that, you know. You know it, it's, in D&D, in D&D, they call that rule zero, you know, the, you know ch- changing situation as, as the needs arise. Right, because you don't want any total group kills. No, TPKs, total party kills are bad. Right. 
and and that's often a group mitigation. Now, this wasn't a situation as severe as that, but you know, if if you're dealing with a player that's really frustrated and the situation warrants it, you know, that might be a, a good idea to you know maybe be a little lenient in that respect. Right. So that being said, we'd solicit more feedback in things like this. Any TPKs that you've been aware of or been a part of or you've been GMing and how it ended because those things usually end badly. Very badly. We'd love to know what or how or why. Actually, we'd, we'd like to know everything with a little bit more detail. And um, if you send it to us and we like it, we will read it on the show. Absolutely. Give us your humiliations. Give us your defeats. Give us your successes, too. I, I'd like to hear about some amazing uh, some amazing adventure stories that happened as well. So, yep. and yeah, we'll, we'll bring those up. Yep, and we'll put them up. There is a section on the forum, actually, for Adventure Talk. So, All right, let's get into what we're going to talk about this week, which is the Jedi class. Yeah, um, this is going to be the first section of our class discussion, and we really wanted to focus on some time, spend some time each week going through and detailing with some major concerns regarding each individual class. There have been a lot of class changes with the new edition, and uh, arguably some of the most have been to uh, most everyone's favorite class, the Jedi. That's right. Now, note uh, here, we're not going to be talking about high-level characters, because as long as we've been playing, Chris, I think I've gotten one character past, like, 12. Yeah, basically, and Dave and I discussed this early on. I mean, and a lot of you who are you know regular cast listeners, people who troll forums and stuff like that, anytime you see any, any theoretical advice, any build advice, it almost always deals with this level 20 character that pawns anyone in the universe, and th- that's just not the way people play. People play at first level, especially in Saga Edition. People play at third level, sixth level. So what we're going to be discussing are going to be class decisions and you know options that are viable in early levels, as well as stuff that will see you out through the end of your career. Right. So the just you know the justification, and we've gotten some suggestions, especially email, um, saying you know well uh, uh, you know well, th- this decision for a class may or may not be good uh, because you know well you know it, it's really useless you know past twelfth level. There's no real point you know and it, well okay well that's twelve levels. It takes a bit to get there. So we want to analyze things from from multiple perspectives. Right. And so, what would you say as far as starting your Jedi or not starting your Jedi? More importantly. <laughs> Because there's there's really two choices. When when you get ready to roll a character, either you're going to start Jedi at first level, and you're of the opinion that only you only want to do that with like a Force Savant, right? Yeah, basically. And this, this has been a point of contention. With the way skill systems work now, and you have trained skills that only work at first levels, a lot of people argue that Jedis really get the shaft, especially at first level. And I got into a discussion with a forum poster on our own forums at, uh, at d20radio.forum about this, talking about how to diversify the Jedi, because it's almost a one-trick pony when it comes to the base mechanics of the game. I mean, sure, there's differentiation in terms of force powers and such and lightsaber use, but when it comes to the, the myriad of skills and you know, attack options that are available, the Jedi is what it is. I am of the opinion that, with one real good exception, you should never build a Jedi at first level. Your first level character should always be a different character class, and then you should move into Jedi after that. And I, I think you're right there. Uh, the first character I ever rolled was that Wookiee Jedi. Yes. And, I mean, it was fun. It was good. But it was limited. I, I found myself frustrated because of the skills being so low. Yeah. And ultimately, when we decided to start a new campaign after we lost one of our, our party members, um, I decided uh, to go soldier first level. Yeah, you did, and and I would say that was a you know arguably a much better decision. You not only had more combat options available to you, but it didn't really hinder your progression as a Jedi too much. 
Right. And, I mean, the hit points basically the same. My hit die is the same. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. everything except for the fact that I'm not going to get my uh, force sensitivity or my proficiency with lightsaber right out of the chute. Right. And this is this is the next kind of thing I kind of want to talk about. I say, you know, I tell people this, I, you know, I tell people in games, you know, hey, you know, I give my opinion, say, hey, you know what, I never think you should take your first level as a Jedi. You know, well, that's ridiculous. Why would you not do that? You know, well, there are a few caveats to this, okay? First of all, to make an effective Jedi, you have to take Force Sensitivity at first level. You have to. For one reason only, because you want to be trained in it. And that has to happen at first level. Um, so if you don't roll up a Jedi, take your first level character feat, Force Sensitivity, no matter what. Always. Even if you don't plan on using the Force, even if you don't ever do that, just take it as Force Sensitivity. Now, this is a mechanical decision, granted, okay? If you want to, you know, role-playing-wise, come into your powers later, you know, that, that that's fine. That's your decision. You can do that, you know? But, you know, I'm not here to, to, to bash on role-playing, but for a, a specific mechanic viewpoint, that's really what you need to do at first level, you know, right. just, just so you can get that Force training in. And what you're talking about is most of us will not walk into a new adventure and say, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with my character. You know, we know oh, somewhere yeah, no, along the lines, does, yeah. yeah, we're going to we're gonna go with a multi-class Jedi, or we're going to be a soldier all the way, or we're going to be a noble. We know right. what we want to do with our character, at least at a high level. And so this nobody, is what yeah, we're talking no, about. Exactly. Nobody is, is so exempt from metagame thinking that they say, you know what, I'm just going to advance my characters where the story takes me. So... Dave's right. Don't feel bad about making these plans for your character ahead of time. We've had a couple comments about that as well. Um, I, I've had a couple players that are just hardcore role players in my time that you know they, they would feel really bad about making such a decision. Don't. That, that's silly. Um, but in essence, to continue with this, mechanically, take Force Sensitivity at first level. Now, when you multi-class, you're only going to be getting one of those starting feats. And this is, again, why it's really beneficial to multi-class into Jedi from something else. Unlike other starting classes, the Jedi only get three feats when they, as starting feats, one of which is simple weapon proficiency, nah. which is almost a non-feat. Yeah. Everybody gets that. Okay, so we don't even need to consider it. The only real feats a Jedi gets at first level are, as Dave said, uh, weapon proficiency, lightsabers, and force sensitivity. All right? Well, if you've taken force sensitivity already at first level, when you multi-class into Jedi, you pick up your one starting feat of weapon proficiency, lightsaber, and you've missed nothing you are at that point at the curve. And this gives you the opportunity to train in some highly useful skills. You know, and uh, the only downsides um, are potentially fewer hit points, but like, you know, Dave, with you, I know with your with your soldier Jedi, your Wookiee, you know, I mean that wasn't even a concern for you. Right. And a possibly slower feat progression. You know, you're not gonna get your class feet at second level, you're gonna have to wait till third. But I've talked to players that argue that talents are more important than feats anyway. So this might actually even be better for you at low levels. But, right, but that's about it. I ultimately chose in the heat of the moment, and when it came time to level my character, he's not going with any Jedi. He's going to stay straight soldier. And you enjoyed that build. I, yeah. I, I absolutely do. And, you know, so I don't have to have a Jedi, but for the purposes of our discussion this week, we are talking about Jedi, and so you need to know what pitfalls there are as you're making your decision at first level because it is the most important time you're going to be making decisions about your character. Absolutely. With the way train skills work now, you really need to put some major thought into it. Um, now, from a role-playing perspective, talking about that, about that metagame thinking about role-playing, 
starting uh, not starting as a Jedi at first level can actually have some good role playing implications. First of all, if you're playing in the New Jedi Order era, you know, of the three eras you can play in, you know, either Rise of the Empire, Rebellion, or New Jedi Order, you know, taking place after Episode Six. I know GMs who won't let you start as a Jedi right at first level just because it doesn't make sense. You know, you know, Skywalkers, you know, recruiting Jedi from around the galaxy that are already adults. You know, they already have their first level, so that actually makes sense. But even if you look into like you know Old Republic or, or Rise of the Empire times. Uh, you know the the prior edition. Remember, had the the Jedi Consular class and uh, different Star Wars, uh, especially computer games out there and and video games have made reference to a, a Jedi Sentinel class, which is you know, the Consular would sort of be a Jedi diplomat and the Sentinel would be sort of a Jedi scoundrel or, or spy. I guess would be a better you know thing, a better uh, analogy. Right, right. And so, those are talent trees now, but you know they're yeah, not it, completely out of exactly. The game. Exactly, but those those aren't trees available to a Jedi. But you know, again, it comes down to a lot a lot of a skill checks. You know, Jedi don't have persuasion. As a class skill, you don't have it. You know, it's kind of hard to have a, a Jedi diplomat without that. And so that's going to require some multi-classing. And, uh, you know, Jedi spies, you know, Jedi don't have stealth as a class skill. So it's going to require some multi-classing to even train in that. So it makes sense to me, at least from a role-playing perspective, if you're playing in the, you know, the Rise of the Empire era, if you're playing in even Old Republic, if you want to go that far back, if you, you have the Jedi Temple training consulars, training sentinels, training, you know, people that are going to be filling these, these stealth slash diplomacy roles, that they would have a class in noble or a class in scoundrel that, at least for that early part of their lifetimes, their training would focus more on that than on force use. But of course, they'd still be force sensitive at first level. So. Right. I think that is the way to go. But like we said, there's, there's a time and a place where you want your character to be a first level Jedi and carry up through a pure Jedi. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> I mean, I'd agree with it on a fundamental mechanical level, but you are correct. Um, and actually, there is one mechanical exception to the aforementioned uh, that I would like to go into now. But and as you say, from a role-playing aspect, you know, darn it, when you're making a first-level character, you just want to be a Jedi. You make a Jedi, and you're right. Um, so let's talk about building a better Jedi at first level. When you roll up a first-level character, um, let's, you know, what's going to make the best Jedi in and of itself. Well, the one mechanical exception to these multi-class builds is if you really want to make, as Dave said earlier, a Force Savant character who focuses on nothing but the Force use. Um, arguably, you're going to want to roll a first-level Jedi. And, in my opinion, you're going to want to roll a human. Right. Um, this is because a first-level human is going... A first-level human Jedi is going to be the only character that is able to have skill focus use the force and force training as first level feats which will put you ahead of any other first level non-human jedi out there um, in terms of pure force use so if you're wanting to make a force savant you know this is a wonderful thing now on our own forums um we had uh, a couple posts talking about you know various you know Je jedi abilities and 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 classes and and more importantly races and i've heard a lot of people talk about you know with all the race options available in SWSC, there are so many that give bonuses to wisdom and charisma you know there's um you know, you know keldor uh you know the monkamara give bonuses to wisdom and most notably thorians give both a plus 2 to wisdom and charisma and so i've talked to players that oh man these these will make just tight jedis but when you think of it still from a mechanical perspective Nothing. No plus two to charisma is going to compare to a plus five bonus from skill focus use the force at first level. So if you play a human, get a bonus feat, you devote it to that, you're still ahead of the game. You're still ahead. And in my opinion, honestly, you know, a plus two to wisdom that's going to you know inherently give you a an extra force power when you take force training. Um, that extra one extra force power is still not worth doing all of your force powers not as well as you would with that plus five from skill focus. 
Right, and I agree with that. And you know, at this point, I want I want to pause and say, you know, we're not telling you how to roll your character. We're just we're pointing out the positives and the negatives of uh, you know, say the human Jedi. Mm-hmm. It obviously is a I wouldn't necessarily call this overpowered, but it is if you're going to go this route, I think it is obvious that this is probably the best route. But if you want to play something different, then obviously do what you like. What we're talking about right now is basically mechanical min-maxing. I mean, you know, this is kind of useless to sit here and talk about, you know, the best role-playing decisions. That's going to depend on the player. But if you want to make a character that's the most mechanically sound from our experience and the people we game with and looking at it, these are the suggestions we have. But if you disagree with us, by all means, please get on the forum. Put it there. We want to hear it. Please tell me I'm full of crap. (laughs) That's right. Send it to uh, GM Chris. I want to read it. GM Chris at d20radio.com. GM Chris at d20radio.com. Tell me I'm full of it and tell me why I'm full of it. And we're going to put it on the next episode, most definitely. All right, so this is a call for all of your full of crap email. Put it in the subject line. <laughs> put, it, put it put it directly in the subject line. Now, I know exactly. I'm going to get a lot of full of craps on this next uh, little little piece of advice. As a Jedi, you are stuck with the worst selection of, arguably, the worst selection of uh, skills of any class. I don't and think there's any argument can, about it, no. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think there is any argument about it. And furthermore, you can choose less skills than anybody else. I mean, two plus your intelligence modifier, it's less than any other class out there. So the question is, what do you choose? Okay, I mean, you, you, what, what are your best skill choices? You know, a Jedi also suffers from MAD, you know, mutual attribute dependency. You know, you're, you, to be a successful Jedi, you know, well, I got to have a high charisma for my use of force, and I got to have a high wisdom for my force powers, known, and I got to have a high strength so I can, I can fight well, and, a, you know, d- dexterity for my reflex defense, and, and, uh, and intelligence, you know, for all my skills. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy. So if you're going to get, sac- if you're going to sacrifice things, usually the stat that unfortunately gets sacrificed is intelligence as the dump stat, just because it is, aside from skills, is is the least useful to a Jedi. And that's unfortunate because they have so few skills to choose from and so few skills they can train in at first level. So what are you training? Well, I think I think you'll agree, Dave. Obviously, the, the number one choice, of course, is going to be use the Force. Obviously, uh, 100%. You, yeah. Everything you do is related to that. If you have a negative intelligence modifier and you can only train in one skill, train and use the Force. That's kind of a no-brainer. I like initiative, personally, because I hate going last. <laughs> well, and a lot of, a lot of people say that, and I got to disagree with you here. Um, and let me tell you why. A lot of people say, okay, you know, and when you look at prior D twenty systems, initiative was not a skill; it was a set stat. Okay, you take your dex, maybe a bonus from a feat, maybe, and you add that, and that's your initiative, and that's all you got. And so now, initiative's a skill. Holy crap! I can take skill focus in it. I can train in it. And people say, you know, oh man, you you know, going first in combat is such an important thing. It is. I think there is a better skill choice on the list, and it is acrobatics. Uh, I think that should be your number two skill if you are playing a Jedi. You are one of two classes, you and the Scoundrel only, that have acrobatics as a class skill. And the plethora of crap you can do with acrobatics is pretty amazing. Um, tumbling aside, being able to kip up from prone, at, you know, being able to, to just, you know, in terms of just pure battlefield control, the fact that you are a melee combatant, um, the benefits acrobatics can afford you are pretty astounding. And uh, definitely take advantage of that because you're one of the two classes that can. Let me tell so you that would be my suggestion as a, a number two skill to, to train in. Sorry to step on you there, but let me tell you a story. If you remember back uh, when I had the Wookiee Jedi and mm-hmm. tumbled out of, because I did train in acrobatics, I actually tumbled out of 
a situation to save another Jedi who had, what did he have, four people attacking him at the same time. <laughs> and I yeah. tumbled out and force-slammed all four of them. Now, I force-slammed the Jedi at the same time because obviously I couldn't control it. But, but you saved his life by doing so. That's right. He would have gone down. Now, as it was, he was unconscious after I hit him. But <laughs> I took I took down, what, three of the four with the force slam? Yes, you did. I'm pretty sure he had to spend a force point, too, just to keep from dying, Dave. Right. But right. Uh, I, I can't fault your decision. Um, uh, it, it was actually pretty good, pretty appropriate for the time. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you right there can see the value of it. Um, but you know, and, and then again, I would I would say acrobatics number two, initiative probably number three. If you have the means to have a fourth trained skill, um, maybe really high intelligence, or you're human, um, I would honestly say perception. You know, you probably have high wisdom modifier as a Jedi. Take advantage of it. Right. You know. Um, and then we come to best feat choices um, for a straight up first level Jedi. Obviously, as if you couldn't tell by right now, um, my my main you know argument here is is going to be is going to be skill focused. Use the force um, as as a primary feat choice. However. If you are not playing a human, and I think this is important, if you are not playing a human, it should be force training. Um, and this is really for one reason only. You can't learn that as a Jedi bonus feat. You can only get it every three levels. You know, first level, third, sixth, ninth, twelfth, all that. So take it while you can. You can pick up skill focus as early as second level as a Jedi bonus feat if you decide to do that. But learn those powers now while you can go a level without that plus five. You know, you, you'll, it's, it's going to work out better for you in the long run, as well as the short run, honestly. I mean, you know, even in those basic powers you're going to learn, you may not be able to do them well, but you're going to know them. You're not going to have to wait another two levels to just be able to use the Force in a combat situation. Right. Now, if you are making a... <laughs> obviously, Dave loves his Wookiees. Uh, if you were making Dave's Wookiee Jedi, or the soldier, you, soldier, soldier build, who's not really concerned with using the Force too terribly much, um, I would highly recommend Power Attack followed by Cleave. With the two-handed weapon melee weapon benefits that are in SWSE compared to some other systems it is a, a really good thing to take advantage of um, and with the damage a lightsaber does and double your strength you're going to be dropping people left and right take cleave um, also unlike some other similar systems I gotta highly recommend whirlwind attack when you can qualify for it the prerequisites are disgustingly not there I mean you can get it as early as fourth level you know with a, with it you know all, pretty much it requires a base attack bonus of plus four and a couple other middling um, prereqs that you know you can easily get you know I know with other systems like like you know Dungeons and Dragons you know you're looking at you know mid levels before you can even think about taking whirlwind attack mm -hmm. so that yeah. was one of my favorites um, when we played uh, d and d that was I love that one. <laughs> I think everyone loves that one. It's just hard to get to. And it seems the prerequisites make absolutely no sense whatsoever. Right. And I, I almost think in SWSE, it's almost a little too easy to get because it is an incredibly powerful feat. You know, the situation where you had to drop a fellow Jedi, you know, with, uh, with you know, using the Force, you know, he could have easily got himself out of with a simple application of, of you know, whirlwind attack. But he didn't have it. Right. So. Want to talk talents? Yeah, let's talk talents um, to kind of round out that building a better Jedi at first level. I don't think anyone in, in listening at all is going to dispute that deflect is the best talent in existence no. for a Jedi. Um, you know, maybe maybe at higher levels there's something better, but a talent that you're going to pick at first level that's going to see you all the way through, it's going to be deflect. You know, making a use the force check to simply just boom, just you know, not get hit by a blaster is pretty incredible. And a lot of people have blasters. It, it's almost overpowering. Um, 
Along with this, I would like to stress, if you do decide to take Deflect as your talent choice, and you are making a combat-oriented Jedi, it may be worthwhile to take Skill Focus Use the Force as your first level feat, strictly so you can get the bonus to your Deflect. That is a, a strategy I've seen used frequently. Um, number two would probably be Block, which of course is the melee version of Deflect. But to be frank, if you are in a campaign that you are not fighting melee combatants very often, and you usually figure that out pretty quickly, it's really not nearly as important. You know, If you're in a Jedi versus Sith campaign, and you lightsaber, lightsaber combat all the time, pick up Block. It's incredibly important. But nowhere near as important as Deflect in most campaigns. That's right. And then that Deflect gives you redirect, which I oh. am such a fan of. Yeah, redirect is nice. Now, you can't get it until a little later on, but it certainly segues into that where you can actually, you know, not just deflect a shot, but redirect it back and uh, at a distance, you know, pretty much give yourself a ranged weapon that is their weapon, which is kind of nice. Right. Now, on that same note with a ranged weapon, I know you're a big fan of throw lightsaber as a great talent. I'm in kind of disagreement with you there just because of the fact that it has an incredibly short range um to be able to have your lightsaber come back to you and you got to make a use the force check to have it come back to you and yep. nothing sucks than to be without your weapon when you make a bad check so it, i think it's a little situational the funny thing One, is that i love it but how many times have i actually used it in a campaign none 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 <laughs> it, it, it looks it looks great on paper but you know you always end up charging in there if you're a melee character right so uh, yeah it it's it's there but you know it's it's great to have, it's great to have a ranged ability when you need it now, continuing along that line, for a lot of Jedi, the Force is their range power. And, you know, various powers uh, like Force Slam that will let you do that area of effect cone and, and just take out multiple foes are, are very powerful. And there is an often, in my opinion, overlooked Force talent, um, which is called Discipline Strike. It's in the Altar Talent tree, um, which is a lot of the Force talent trees tend to get overlooked because a lot of them, well, quite frankly, suck. But this is this is a really good one. Um, <laughs> yeah. Where you know in the situation you were in, where you know your your Wookiee Jedi took out you know three targets and his friend the Jedi, right. you could have avoided that situation. Where you can with this particular talent, discipline strike, you can actually exclude uh, a number of targets from your area of effect attacks. Right, but and Kachuk's, that, that's, Kachuk's hmm? intelligence was an eight, so you know he was a stupid Wookiee. <laughs> that's true plus i think at that point you didn't you know you you, you take and deflect and block and those were your those were your primaries you think you I don't think you'd gotten to it yet plus i don't think gosh did he even know any force powers i don't know if he took force training or not he had a couple but he was more okay. of a melee guy okay okay well like, i guess the last really good talent choice i can recommend um not at first level but you know in the in the early levels you know as soon as you can get maybe maybe third level fifth level there's a wonderful talent called equilibrium uh, which is in the control talent tree. It's another one of the force talents that doesn't suck. It's expensive. It's going to cost you a force point, but it allows you to basically remove any debilitating conditions that are affecting you and return to a normal state on the condition track. And it does not specify uh, whether persistent con conditions uh, are, are exempt from that. And so this would lead you to believe raw that by spending a force point and having this ability, you can get rid of any persistent conditions on the condition track, any non-persistent conditions, and move directly up to the top of the condition track, which is a huge benefit uh, to any Jedi, um, especially a melee Jedi that's getting into the thick of it. Righto. I think that does it for our class discussion. 
We did get one post on the forum that I wanted to read. I'll be brief with it. It's it's talking along the lines of Jedi, and he titled it The Bane of the Jedi. This comes from D&D Rockstar. Does not have a location on the forum uh, as to where he's from. But he uh, starts out by saying, In his brief experience with uh, SWSE, it's his strong belief that force-wielding characters are far superior to non-force characters. And, you know, I guess that that's the way it should be. Don't yeah, you agree? Yeah, yeah. To, an, to an extent, yeah. Okay. After a well-known GM, he says, was tired of a band of low-level Jedi whooping up on everything in his way, he came up with the conclusion that he could have his guys throw grenades. And he says those are the bane of the Jedi because of the boom factor that he's talking about. That's true. You can't deflect them, can you? Nope. Uh, area of effect? Yeah, it is an area of effect. And you can't absorb them. I, well, I... I guess not per the, you know, because it's not an attack roll directed at you. So I, I don't know. That would be kind of DM fiat. But I, I, as a DM, I wouldn't allow you to use to use, you know, to to absorb that. Not with the force power. No. No, I don't. I don't think so either. He he goes on to say that he thinks there is a force power that can absorb energy. I'm I'm not aware of it, but well, yeah, no, there 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 is an absorb energy force power. But I mean, I think it's and. I guess you could you could use it against a grenade, but it's it's designed to you know like you know like the scene you know in uh, in Empire where you know Han's Han's shooting those blaster bolts at Vader and he just holds his hand up right. and just sort of takes it. I mean that's kind of what it is. It's just designed for blasters. But you know even then that's a pretty situational power, and you know it's not like you're going to have you know three or four of those prepared if you're a low level character. Right. So it sounds like D and D Rockstar here was very very frustrated about um, having thermal detonators come his way all the time, even though they were prohibitive in cost, and so his. Particular suggestion, he says, I'll quote him, Don't fret, my fellow gamers. The DM does not hold the trump card in this case. After a game of waiting, running, and doing anything to try and avoid having a grenade plopped in your lap, uh, that he was watching some of the films, and it came to him that he could use use the force and push the grenade away. Now, in this particular case, it's going to take a readied action. And this makes a lot of good sense because you can, even with no force training whatsoever, just make a use the force make a use the force check to move light object, and a grenade would definitely be a light object. Um, and as a standard action to do so, you could ready an action to do this. So, if you knew a grenade was coming, you could ready an action to move it. And uh, I mean, it, the, actually, the DC is really not that high comparatively. Um, I mean, you could you could move it and actually make an attack roll and direct it back at its attacker if you wanted. I think that's an excellent suggestion. I, I think so, too. But here again, it's going to require him knowing or at least sensing that a grenade is coming because he's not going to be able to make an attack that turn because the standard action is readying. Yeah, yeah. You know. So you, you, you would have to know. Um, but, you know, it's one of those things that if you've got a group of stormtroopers lobbing grenades at you, uh, you know, after the first one hits, you can <laughs> pretty right. much pretty much prepare. And also, if you're willing to work in tandem with Jedi, or you know that with other with other characters, other Jedi, and other people in, in your in your party, yeah, I, th- I think that's a very valid course of action. But one not many people think about. I think move light object as just a part of use the force is one of the most underlooked abilities it has. It actually has the mechanics in there. You can use that as an attack roll. You can throw light objects at people. I mean, they only do a d6 of damage, but you want to talk about a, a ready-made ranged weapon when you need it. That thing has a range of line of sight, and you can only move the object six squares. But, I mean, as long as I can see it, it could be half a mile away, and I could just pick it up and throw it into a guy next to it. Right. I mean, yeah, that's that's an excellent suggestion. Thank you for posting that. Hey, I agree with that. D&D Rockstar, keep them coming. And if they pass muster with us, we'll keep reading them on the air. Yes. 
Uh, let's check in with our buddy TK421 and TK see where he's at. Do you have any idea where he's at? Uh, not really. Is he not at his post? Well, I... <laughs> I don't I don't know if he is or not. I have a really bad feeling about it. But let's All try right. and get him anyway. TK421. TK. <laughs> TK. This is going to get really old. Hey man, hey, I'm here, man. Don't <laughs> hang up on me. I'm here. Dude. How you doing? Dude, I told you we were coming to you, man. Oh, I'm sorry, man. I had to put down my bear. Yeah. Oh man. Oh my gosh. So where are you this week? I'm on Ethor, man. Ethor, what are you doing over there? Oh, you know, we're doing some logging. They got all these big old trees around here, man. All these crazy, crazy long neck, you know, Ethorians, man. They're just hopping around on trees, getting all mad at us for cutting stuff down. I, I, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. If you're logging on Ethor, they're gonna get a little bit pissed off. Well, the only they're doing, man, they're yodeling. They're what? They're yodeling, son, I told you. You mean bellowing? Oh, uh, well, sounds like they're yodeling to me. I don't know. <laughs> but I can tell you, though, it's pretty annoying, man. My commanding officer, man, they yelled, they yodeled over at him, man, and he flew back into a tree, man. Uh, they had to take him over to the infirmary. Oh, my. Well, I'm sorry to hear yep. about your commanding officer there, but... Uh... Oh, he's a prick. I don't care. All right, well, that's fine. All right. Well, you bring up you bring up a good topic of a discussion with uh, with the Athorians and their bellowing or yodeling in your case. Yeah. Oh hell! Oh hell! Oh hell! Look, I, I gotta go. They're they're, they're yodeling some more. Are you? You get away from that! You get them. Oh hell! Bye. All right. <laughs> My okay. gosh. <laughs> uh, he's out of control. So they're they're logging on Ethor. Uh, I don't know the wisdom of such decision. Well. It brings up a good point, and uh, this is going to lead us into our D20 docking bay, where we discuss a specific game mechanic. And we got a post from Shubuda on the forum. Is that how you pronounce it? Shibuda? I believe so. Okay, Shubuda, who had a comment about uh, the Ethorian. Um, actually, they have a racial ability that, uh, unlike any other races in the SWIC handbook, they actually have a racial attack. Now, Dave, you, you, you know what Ethorians are, right? Yeah, they're the hammerhead guys. Right, the hammerhead guys with huge long necks, and like supposedly biologically, they have these you know four elongated throats that can make this huge bellow, and it amounts to a sonic attack. Now, for those of you who may be real big fans of Star Wars, if you've seen uh, the special that aired on Cartoon Network, the Clone Wars special, you actually saw this attack in action. I'm pretty sure this is the reason they included it was to keep with continuity. Uh, there was an Ethorian Jedi uh, that used this attack to great success, and to kind of summarize, basically, it's an area of attack effect attack that is, is sonic in nature. It's a six square cone that deals three die six of sonic damage. Now, each use of this ability moves the Athorian minus one step along the condition track. However, they can choose to deal more dice of damage, an extra d6, uh, for taking another step down the condition track. So, theoretically, an Athorian, you know, could move five steps down the condition track and throw out an eight die six, you know, sonic bellow, just put themselves unconscious by doing so. Um, now, Shibuta brought this up because there's a real potential for player abuse here and how this ability can be made used to make a broken character. And we want to alert GMs to this and, you know, kind of, you know, we, we don't want to encourage this, but it, it is kind of interesting. If you were to make, for example, an Ethorian Scout, you know, at first level, if you train in endurance, you meet the, the constitution requirement. 
you can get Shake It Off as a free feat at first level. And even if you're not a scout, you can just take the feat Shake It Off if you meet the prerequisites. Now, this will allow you to move one step up the condition track to take the recovery action by expending two swift actions instead of three. Now, this bellow is only a standard action, so what this amounts to is that an Athorian with Shake It Off could literally do this every single round and then just spend their other two swift actions after their standard to move up the condition track. You could just stand there and just bellow nonstop forever with no penalty without moving down the condition track. And obviously there's a, a pretty big potential for abuse there. I mean, you know, what kind of character has a, you know, a... Uh, a uh, three die six area of effect sonic attack that can be used racially, you know, to that extent. None. None. Right. So Shibuta offers an interesting compromise to this. Um, perhaps, you know, something GMs can use a way to, to, you know, your own personal errata to change the way the ability works in the game. And I happen to think it's brilliant and I like it. To keep with continuity, we've only ever seen this ability used in film by an Ethorian Jedi. So Shibuta um, and, and I were talking about this, and we came up with the notion of making this a conditional ability. Now, a lot of races have conditional abilities, usually conditional feats. Um, you know, that if they meet a certain prerequisite, oh, hey, they get this as well. So, you know, if you're an Ewok and you, you know, end up getting trained in survival, you gain skill-focused survival just as a bonus feat, conditional bonus feat immediately. Well, the idea would be to make this a conditional force power. Now, it is very much similar to a force power um, in terms of what it does. And since the fact that we've only seen it being used by a Jedi, this would keep within continuity. So a good fix that we feel is that if you are making an Ithorian who is force-sensitive, who has the force-sensitivity feat, the moment he has that, he will get a conditional force power, which is this, which is bellow. And even if he never takes force training, he'll know it as a force power. In addition, if he takes force training again, he can learn it again and again. Now, nothing else about it changes. He can increase the ability of it simply by, you know, moving himself further down the condition track. There's no use the force check involved. Um, although, well, you, you could do it if you wanted to. The actual attack says that the Athorian rolls day 20, adds its character level, and compares that to fortitude defense. I happen to think that's a little more balancing than, you know, making a use the force check with it. Uh, considering it's, you know, uh, a bonus power there. But that's another option as well. What do you think about that variant, Dave? I have no opinion on the subject, actually, because I, quite frankly, just don't know that much about the Athorians. I've never studied it as a race. I do love the suggestion of making it a force power, because, in my opinion, anything that has the potential to be unbalancing yeah. just shouldn't be there. So, you know, I can't I can't offer any good witticisms or anything like that to it because I don't know that aspect of the game probably as well as I should. But from well, the background... Well, not everyone knows the, the minutiae of the races, but, I mean, right. you're definitely right about in terms of, of keeping it from being imbalancing. Now, one other suggestion I can make, if you don't want to make this a force power but you're worried about it being abused, is to simply alter it and make the ability a full round action. Even with Shake It Off, it means that a character is not going to be able to do this every single round. They're going to, you know, I mean, eventually, they, I mean, they, they could, but they're eventually just going to go unconscious as a result. Well, and that's really so, the only way to exploit it is by, you know, having a scout or taking Shake It Off is, is really the only way to exploit it at this point, right? Yeah, that, that we can see. But it's just it's just kind of an odd, I don't know, it seems almost like this ability was put in as a, as a caveat, sort of a, you know, and I've seen it before, you know, in, in, in other, other games, but it, it was put in as a caveat, kind of an ode or an homage to that particular scene from the cartoon. And um, 
there, there's ways to to modify and keep the continuity while having it have less of an impact potentially on your game. So I don't know, just kind of a neat quirk and interesting rule to explore. Right, I think so too. And that will just about do it for episode two of the Order sixty six podcast. Ran a little bit long this yeah. time, eh? A little bit long, but I think we definitely got some really good discussion in. Um, thank you guys so much for, for posting on the forums and for, especially for sending us all your emails. It was really great to hear that you know so many people are listening to the podcast, and it was great to know that uh, there's, there's that interest out there. It, it, it makes me feel good as a gamer. There's a lot of us out there, and uh, we're strong. That's right, and I can't echo that sentiment enough that we really appreciate, nor did we expect to have the level of feedback that we've gotten and uh, the number of people downloading the podcast. And we just hope that the uh, the feedback will keep coming and we want to try and make the best podcast that we can for everyone out there and touch as many segments of our listener base as we possibly can. Uh, next week, what uh, we're going to take the book in order pretty much, aren't we? So we're going to talk about Noble oh, next yeah, week. Yeah, we're... We're going to move into my favorite class, the Noble. Um, arguably one of the biggest changes, uh, you know, I mean, even even more so than the Jedi, was the Noble. We're going to spend some time talking about that. But as Dave said, I really would like to encourage you guys to get out there on the forums and post questions, post areas you'd like to see explored. Email us. Uh, again, the website, uh, www.d20radio.com. Our forums are d20radio.com slash forum. And you can email myself at gmchris at d20radio.com or gmdave at d20radio.com. Give us some stuff to talk about and we will talk about what you want to talk about. That'll put the wrap on it. So for another right. week, ladies and gents, Chris, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Dave. Good to be here. You bet. We'll see you all later. Keep the dice rolling. Keep them rolling. D20 Radio, where gamers roll www.d20radio.com This podcast and related websites are not endorsed by Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or Wizards of the Coast and are intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. The official Star Wars site can be found at starwars.com. The official Wizards of the Coast site can be found at wizards.com. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, D20 logo, D20 system references, all named pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademark and or copyright of Lucasfilm Limited, Wizards of the Coast, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast and its related website, including graphical, textual, audio, and visual information is the intellectual property of the Order 66 podcast. Thank you.